Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Dan Sheeks. And Dan is a high school business marketing teacher, real estate investor, and personal finance advocate in Denver, Colorado. And his passion is really working with teenagers to advocate for personal finance, education, investing in real estate, and promoting the FIRE movement, which is financial independence, retire early. And Dan has also launched his Sheiks Freaks in late 2019, which is an online community dedicated to helping young people learn money management skills, starting investing in real estate and pursue early financial independence. And he and his wife have a variety of real estate investments themselves, including multifamily, single family, Airbnb, and out-of-state burrs. So you have a ton of experience, a wide variety of experience out there. And so I love that you guys are sharing and educating the younger generation so that they have the tools and the foundation to be able to set themselves up for success. So Dan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Can you share with our audience, Dan, let's start off by giving a little bit more of a background color into who you are, a little bit more of a background information on you and what you are currently focused on today. Sure. Yeah. I live in a South suburb of Denver, Colorado and been here for about 20 years. My main gig is I'm a high school business teacher. I've been doing that for 19 years, just finishing up 19 right now. I teach business classes, which classes like personal finance, entrepreneurship, marketing, they're electives, which, and I love my job. It's a great job. I love working with young people, teenagers specifically, or even college age. And yeah, so my wife and I, we do real estate investing. We've been investing for the last six or seven years, we do utilize a few strategies, like you mentioned, but I would say we're still pretty niche. You know, we're not investing in large complexes. We're not doing syndications. We're not doing commercial real estate and we don't want to, we like what we do. We just stay focused on our, what we know best. And yet I have an online community, like you mentioned, and my wife and I have a baby boy and we just enjoy our lives here in Colorado. How old is your little baby boy? He's one year old. Oh, yeah. one year old. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old also. And so okay. that one-year-old time frame is when they're really cute, but the personality is starting to come out now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So far we have a great baby. Hopefully that doesn't change, <laughs> but so far so good. We're very happy. How's the sleeping schedule? You know, it's gone through ups and downs overall, pretty good. Overall, he's a pretty good sleeper, but I think there's been some short time periods where it's a little rough, but we survive. And the cuteness makes it all worth it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can get away with anything. Yes. So Dan, share with us a little bit, you know, because your focus is on the young adults, the younger generation. 
what are some of the building blocks or the foundational tools that you know sets the foundation for them to even open their minds to what financial education is? Yeah, I think the building blocks are really just introducing young people to the idea of personal finance, financial literacy, and the most basic concepts that fall under those umbrellas, which is a lot of what I teach in my personal finance class, honestly. Anything from building credit scores, managing debt, what is debt, checking accounts, savings accounts, financial goals, insurance, pay stubs, that kind of stuff. So they definitely need to know the basics before they can go to you know the higher level, kind of what I call the AP level personal finance stuff, which is what I love talking about more. The idea of early financial independence, the idea of real estate investing at a young age, which is completely possible and things like that. When you introduce this concept to the younger generation, what is their initial take on financial literacy and what it means to them? There's a variety of different reactions. I think most young people are not super interested in their financial future. You know, For them, the idea of managing money, they don't have a lot of income right now. They don't have a lot of expenses. And so it's not something that they see as an urgent need for them to be financially literate. If they're in high school, if they're in college, it's very different. But yet they still do understand that being able to manage your money and to know how money works is something that they will need to know. And they know that the things that we teach in a personal finance class, those are concepts, strategies, topics, vocabulary that they will absolutely use all throughout their life. And so it's not too difficult to grab their attention and say, hey, this is stuff you need to know. And they get that, right? There's some classes that students take in high school that that's not the truth, right? They're learning things that they'll never use. And I think that's a harder sell. I don't teach those kinds of classes. I'm thankful for that. But to tell a teenager that if you want to be financially secure in your future, then these are the things that you need to know. They get that. They understand that. So it's not too hard to motivate them, but some are all in from a very young age. And some of them are just kind of like, well, tell me some, but I'm not sold on learning everything. Yeah, I think what it is also is sometimes, especially the younger adults as they're growing up, it's like it's just exposing them to what's out there, just the financial possibilities of it. And then later in life, as they come across these different situations, they can think back and refer back to, oh, yeah, in my class, this is what they were Mm -hmm. talking about. Like, oh, this is now I can merge those two together and take what I learned back then and apply it to my current situation now, even though at the young age, they might not necessarily need it. But later down in life, it'll come back and they'll be like, oh, that's when the light bulb will click. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I say that about the early financial independence pathway. I say that all the time in regards to young people because I do teach in my classroom and in my community concepts and strategies around early financial independence. And even if they don't feel like that's something they want to really dive into now, and by the way, early financial independence isn't for everybody. It's not something that I think everyone should do. It's just an option that I think everyone should be aware of. And so if you plant that seed of, hey, there are other options, you don't have to work till you're 65, then it may be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road that maybe they have a job that they just can't stand. And they're like, you know what? I remember that teacher or that mentor telling me that you know I didn't have to do this. And so maybe now I'll go Google some of those concepts and the idea of early financial independence. And maybe now I'm more motivated to really learn about how to pursue that pathway later in life. And everybody's 
vision or what they consider as financial independence and what they look at as retirement, it's very different. It's very relative, different from person to person. But I think ultimately it's the choice to be able to do what they want to do. And they choose to either continue to working till they're 65 or if they want to pursue something else, but they have that option at least. Yeah. And that's the whole reason for my community, my book, and what I teach is all about offering options because I think having options is a positive. What are some of the first resources or the first tools as a young adult that they should start looking at first to be able to set them up for success? Like what should they be doing, especially at the young age? What are some of the things that they can start thinking about to create that financial independence later on or set them up at least for Hmm. to be able to leverage off as they grow? Yeah, I would say a few things. I think all young people should definitely have a checking account and a savings account. I think all young people should also have a credit card. But if they're under 18, that's going to look like an authorized user on a parent's credit card. But just getting them used to using one and building some responsible habits around using a credit card. I also think that young people should start tracking their income and expenses and just monitoring their money coming in and their money going out. And there's so many great free apps that make that not just easy, but actually kind of fun to do, I think. So I require my students in personal finance class to track their income and expenses, get them started on that habit. Every dollar that comes in or out of their life, they know where it's going or where it came from. And then I think probably the most important habit to start building early is the concept of paying yourself first, which is the idea that you know if you have income coming into your life, whether that be a paycheck, a gift, an allowance, side hustle income, whatever, that a certain percentage of that goes to your future self. And so initially it might be in a savings account and then eventually into some type of investment. So I try to convince or to motivate my students to do, you know, somewhere in the double digits percentage, you know, maybe even 20, 30% of the income coming in is going to be paid to their future self. And then the remaining can be spent on expenses and wants or luxury items. But to build that habit, I think at such a young age is so important because that is the key, honestly, to reaching early financial independence. One of the things you mentioned earlier was it's possible for a young adult to be able to purchase real estate. They're not too young to be able to do that. What are some of the ways that they are able to purchase real estate and how are they going to be able to utilize it so that, you know, they're secure and they're generating income coming from that or, you know, investing into it the correct way? Yeah, I'll just use my favorite and most common example or strategy as an example. I have many young people that I work with in my community that are buying real estate investment properties at a very young age, 21, 20, 19. I think we even had an 18-year-old buy his first real estate property a couple months ago. And so it is absolutely possible. And so house hacking is a strategy that I highly recommend to young people. I'm not sure if your audience is familiar with that. If they're in the real estate, they probably are. But for a young person to buy that first property and house hack it, meaning that they're going to live there, is so valuable. One, you get pretty good interest rate because it's primary residence. Two, you get a great low down payment option because it's a primary residence. Three, you're going to live there. So you actually get to monitor your property 24-7. And you get to learn how to manage a rental property as a landlord because you're, you, know, you have tenants. Either you're renting by the room or renting out the other units. The logistics of how to get there, I would teach young people for... You need four things to buy that property. You need cash saved up, which may take some time. You need knowledge. So you need to be reading books, listening to podcasts, reading blogs, 
finding a mentor. You need to educate yourself. Two or three, you need a good credit score. If you're going to get the mortgage in your name, you need a good credit score. And four, you need an income history so that the bank will actually approve you. Those last two, however, there's a loophole there in that if you have a parent co-sign on that mortgage for you, the credit score and the income history are a little bit negotiable if your parent can satisfy the lender's requirements. And you know, most young people that are doing it under 21, that's the loophole they're using. They're having parents co-signing for them, not always, but almost always. Beyond 21, 21 and older, if they've had a full-time job for a couple of years, or if they've just graduated from college, then they can absolutely make that house hacking strategy work as well. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So I'd like to ask also, because as you're a teacher, you've probably taught in several schools as well. Has all the schools that you've been at offered this type of program or education for their students? I've actually only taught in one school, all 19 years in one school. But you know, I have friends that teach in many other schools. So the idea of having a personal finance class available to young people, high school students, is I think one that most people would say, oh, that makes sense. And I think most people would say that everyone should have to take that class. The unfortunate truth is that in most states, that's not a requirement for high school graduation, including my school, my district, and my state. The high school students don't have to take personal finance. It is offered only as an elective. So right around 15% of the students that graduate from my school will take that class, which is low, unfortunately, but it's not zero. And so, yeah, I think a lot of schools will offer a personal finance class or something similar. The unfortunate truth is that not many take it. If you're in a school that might not offer it or you might not be exposed to it, how do you get involved in something like this? Or how do you get exposed to personal finance or be able to build this side up if it's something that you're interested in, but your maybe your school doesn't offer it? Yeah. Up until a few years ago, there's really one other option. And that was to lean on your parents and ask your parents to help you with financial literacy and have your parents teach you about what they know about money. But you know, the downward spiral truth is that in our country, we are financially illiterate. Large percentage of the adults in our country do not know how to manage their money and the statistics out there prove that. So the chances of your parents being knowledgeable enough to teach you how to do it well are not, not good chances. So the good news is in the last few years with social media, there is a ton of information out there for free that a young person can then go to learn about personal finance, financial literacy, early financial independence. You know, Between TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and even Facebook to a certain extent for Gen Z, the information's out there. And you know, books like mine, which is targeted specifically for teenagers, the sad truth is that some of the information out there, especially on social media, is not great. 
Some of it is more scammy than actually just purely, you know, content purely for the benefit of the learner. And then also not many young people are motivated enough to actually go out and seek that information on social media or on a website. So that's the state we're in. So your book is First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Freedom. And I think the building blocks there is very applicable to anybody at any stage if they haven't started or maybe that they are somewhere you know, early on, they're looking to achieve that financial freedom later on in life as well. So can you walk us through maybe a hypothetical situation? Let's say, let's take the young teenager. They are doing all the right things that you're teaching, you know, building up their credit score, opening up checking accounts, tracking their income expenses, paying themselves for First, and then building up that foundation. And now they saved enough to maybe do some type of house hacking. And now they are living in one side, renting out the other side, gaining some income from that. What are the steps that they're able to do afterwards? Or what are the things that they're able to do so that they can reach that million or that financial independence early? Man, yeah. So if a young person is to that point where they own and live in their first house hack, they've come a long way. Like That's a big jump from a starting point to there. And my book really is about getting them from, I don't know anything to, I now have a house hack. I now have a great savings rate. And I now have some other investments going on as well. And the workbook that I have that goes with it kind of gets them from there to there. Now, beyond that, and I do talk about this in the book, in the workbook, beyond that is just a matter of continuing what you're doing. It's a snowball effect. At that point, your snowball is getting bigger and it's starting to build momentum. You need to continue that for another 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 years. And then you're going to be looking really good. So maybe it's legal. You can buy a house hack one every year and move into another one, move into another one. And, And a lot of young people who are really hammering it towards early financial freedom are doing that strategy. You know, They might have four house hacks in four years, and then they're taking their earning passive income from each of those investments to really help them pay their living expenses, which is you know, basically the equation for financial independence is your passive income pays your expenses. You don't have to work anymore. So that would be probably the next steps is to continue to save, continue to invest, continue to build passive income, and continue to satisfy that financial independence equation. What are some resources that they can utilize? I know your book is a fabulous resource for people getting started and looking to build it up and getting that solid foundation and setting up themselves for success. What other resources can they utilize as they're looking for information? You know, There's a lot of social media out there, but maybe some of the information out there could maybe not the right way. Or you know, there's a lot of information going out there. So how do you decipher which one's a good one, which one's not a bad one? Maybe in your community, it's a good place where people can you know, share ideas and share knowledge. Yeah. It's tricky to navigate the internet world around financial advice because there's a lot of people out there who are just trying to make money by selling this or that or building enough followers with clickbaity titles and dishonest promises to get followers and subscribers so they can make money off their content. So you know, I tell my young people, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And a lot of the things around, you know, like your meme stocks, your NFTs, your even crypto to a certain degree, those types of things are really flashy. And young people are really drawn to that because the promise of those returns are so huge that why wouldn't you want to think about, you know, at least consider that option because people are making so much money so fast. But I teach that, you know, more conservative 
pathway to early fi and that is long-term investing long-term goals you're not going to get rich overnight real estate investing an early five pathway is not a get rich quick scheme or pathway. It does require hard work, discipline, delayed satisfaction in some cases, and it requires some time. You know, it's not going to take you 45 years from age 20 to 65. That's the good news, but it might take 20, 15, or perhaps if you really hammer it, maybe 10 years to get there. So yeah, you know, I tell young people just be really careful what you do decide to digest the content you do look at online, social media, and otherwise, and just have a filter that says, if this sounds scammy, salesy, if they're trying to you know, ram something down my throat, if they're, trying to, if they're hard selling me on something, if they're making promises that sound too good to be true, maybe you need to move to some other channel. No, yeah, no, thank you. I think that's important to be able to decipher between what is actually valuable information and what will actually be useful to help you get on and achieve your goals versus the ones that promise instant returns, high wealth, like immediately overnight success. You might have a unicorn there, right? But that's one in how many, right? And so it's hard to come across those types of opportunities. You might get Mm -hmm. lucky, but mostly you might not. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So Dan, for you, what are you working on next and what is you most excited about? The big project we're working on right now in the Sheik Streets community is an app. We've been working on it for a few months and we are like right there. We actually have the Google version of the app is already out there and some of my members are using it. Most of them, however, have iPhones. So the Apple version The iOS version of the app will be out very, very soon as we sit here in early April, 2022, definitely by the end of this month, hopefully more mid-month in a week or 10 days, that app will be out, which I think will change things for our community drastically. Just engagement is going to go way up because Gen Z wants to engage through an app, not a mobile website, not email, or even texting now is not so convenient. So the app is our big project right now. We're really focused on that. Once that is out, you know, I have a whole list of things I want to get to once the app is published and getting used. And how has real estate investing impacted your life, Dan? Man, it has changed everything. And my wife and I, we own 17 units now, mostly here in Colorado, a few out of state. You know, when we started, and we started in our late 30s, early 40s, right? I mean, much later than the young people I'm coaching, but it has changed everything. We really kind of dove into the bigger pockets community, the Choose FI community and real estate investing starting about six or seven years ago. And we've built up our portfolio of real estate along the way. My wife was a full-time teacher. She did not necessarily, she had taught for 18, 19 years and she wasn't loving her job anymore, which happens. And so because of real estate, she was able to move to halftime and then eventually leave teaching altogether. And now she's kind of a stay-at-home mom slash manages our real estate portfolio, does some property management for our properties, and has a side hustle that makes some good money too. But she calls the shots now. She's not a W-2 employee. And that would not have been possible without real estate in any way, shape, or form. She would still be working full-time. Our child would be in daycare and we'd be spending money on that. In my future, I don't know. You know, I still really love teaching. I don't want to get out of it anytime soon. But there's a lot of options that we have because of real estate. And so who knows what the future holds there. And if there was one thing about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? That it is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And that anyone can do it. 
I bought my first property when I was 29, but I didn't know anything about real estate investing and I didn't buy it as an investment. It turned into an investment accidentally, but you know, I just wish I would have known very early on that real estate investing is an amazing way to build wealth. It is a tried and true proven method for investing over the long term and that anybody can do it if you just learn, save a little money and then get ready to pull the trigger and do it. And what sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? I'll go back to what I just said, you know, that ability to pull the trigger. I think, well, even above that would be mindset, just the mindset of I can do this, I will do this, it's part of my future. And then taking the necessary steps one at a time, educating, saving, getting your assets, your credit score in line to actually purchase real estate and make that part of your investing portfolio. Just the mindset, I think, would be the most important key. Well, Dan, I think what you're doing is fantastic by educating the young at an early age. A lot of people said, I wish I knew all of this stuff earlier so that I could propel myself further later on in life. And a lot of people, they don't come into this or they don't have that understanding until much later in life. And so you're providing a ton of valuable resources to the young generation with the community and the book and everything that you're doing in this space. And so definitely appreciate what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners out there who they themselves might be in this situation, they themselves are in the younger generation looking to get started and maybe build up and looking for a community, or maybe they're parents of the young adult and are wanting to get them some more financially education. Where's the best place that they can go to find out more, Dan? Yeah, I would send them to my main website, which is sheiksfreaks.com. And I'll send you the link to put in your show notes but it's S-H-E-E-K-S-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. There they'll find many resources for young people, but also they'll find more information about the Sheik's Freaks community, which is a different platform than the main website. Bigger Pockets is the company that published my book. Very happy that they were on board with this book idea. So they can buy the book at biggerpockets.com and the workbook. And it's available other places as well. So between the book and the community, that young person is going to find themselves well on their way to making some really good financial decisions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Dan. I appreciate all of your time today. Thanks for having me, Eileen. Uh, great to be here and wish you the best of luck. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.